I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey with Weintraub Tobin. In California, an idea does not have to be novel to be stolen, but it does in New York. Given that New York and California probably see the majority of idea theft cases, this distinction can make quite a difference in the outcome of a claim. We are going to talk about this on today's installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. In California, an idea theft claim is based in large part on the California Supreme Court case of Desney versus Wildler. In Desney, the plaintiff, Victor Desney, wrote a script depicting the real life story of Floyd Collins, a boy who made headlines after he was trapped in a cave 80 feet underground. In an effort to market his script, Desney called Billy Wilder, a writer, producer, and director at Paramount Pictures. Desney could not get through to Wilder and subsequently stripped his script to the bare facts so that Wilder's secretary could copy it in shorthand over the phone. After reading his synopsis, Desney told Wilder's secretary that Wilder and Paramount could use the script only if they paid him a reasonable amount for doing so. Shortly thereafter, Wilder created his own movie script, Mirroring Desney's. Because Desney's script was based on historical facts and because Desney only conveyed the bare minimum of those facts to Wilder's secretary, both parties conceded for the purpose of the appeals court that the synopsis was not sufficiently original to form the basis of a federal copyright claim. The court, however, held that Desney stated sufficient facts to establish the existence of an implied-in-fact contract. The California Supreme Court explained that where an idea is furnished by one party to another, a contract sometimes may be implied even in the absence of an express promise to pay. A, an implied in fact contract exists where the circumstances preceding and attending disclosure, together with the conduct of the offeree acting with knowledge of the circumstances, which shows a promise to pay. Even though idea theft cases are generally referred to in California as a Desney claim, there had been idea theft cases prior to Desney. One such case is Stanley versus Columbia Broadcasting System. I guess a Desney claim sounds better than a Stanley claim, right, Josh? Anyway, in Stanley, the court stated that the right of the originator of an idea to recover from one who uses or infringes that idea seems to depend on whether or not the idea was novel and whether the idea was reduced to concrete form prior to its appropriation by the defendant. And if the idea was disclosed by the originator to the appropriator, where such disclosure took place under circumstances indicating that compensation was expected if the idea was used. In addressing the requirement of novelty, the Stanley Court pointed out that novelty may lie in the combination of ideas that may, be not, may not be new or may not be novel. Now, this is something that we should remember when we talk about this recent, uh, the recent New York case. The idea of novelty was addressed in Desney. There, the court quoted Justice Traynor's dissenting opinion in Stanley, stating, the policy that precludes protection of an abstract idea by copyright does not prevent its protection by contract. Even though an idea is not property subject to exclusive ownership, its disclosure may be of substantial benefit to the person to whom it is disclosed. That disclosure may therefore be consideration for a promise to pay. Even though the idea disclosed may be widely known and generally understood, it may be protected by an express contract providing that it will be paid for regardless of its lack of novelty. Despite the fact that novelty was originally an element of an idea theft claim in California, that is no longer the case. 
The demise of novelty as an element of idea theft cases has its roots in the 1957 case of Chandler versus Roach. In that case, the California Court of Appeals took issue with the requirement of novelty. The court said that if a producer obligates himself to pay for the disclosure of an idea, whether it is for a protectable or unprotectable piece of material, in return for a disclosure thereof, he should be compelled to hold to his promise. There is nothing unreasonable in the assumption that a producer would obligate himself to pay for the disclosure of an idea, which he would otherwise be legally free to use, but which in fact, he would be unable to use, but for the disclosure. The court believed that a producer and a writer should be free to make uh, any contract or deal that they desire regarding the buying and selling of ideas. The fact that the producer may later determine uh, that he could have had the same idea and could thereby have saved uh, considerable sums for himself, it's no defense against the claim of the writer who sold the producer the idea. This is so even though the material purchased is abstract and unprotected material. This is a divergence from the rule established by the California Supreme Court in Desney. Prior to Chandler, an express agreement to pay for a non-novel idea is enforceable, but an implied agreement to pay for a non-novel idea is not. Therefore, any idea that is the subject of an implied contract must be novel. That's right, Josh. The Chandler court's opinion was quite a divergence from the rule established by the Supreme Court in Desney. The Chandler court explained the reasoning for dropping the requirement of novelty as an element in an idea theft case. See, prior to 1947, ideas were protected under civil code section uh, 980. In 1947, the legislature amended that section and abrogated the rule of protectability of ideas. As a consequence, the court believed that the only protection a writer would have in his work, uh, in the idea of his work, is by an implied in fact contract. And the court said, we see no necessity to add the elements of novelty and concreteness to an implied in fact contract with reference to authors. That's an interesting comment. So novelty was an element in implied in fact contract claims by authors only? That seems to have been the case, at least according to the uh, what the Chandler court said. The Chandler court said that the elements of an author's implied in fact contract claim should be the same as that of any other person in any other implied in fact contract situation. The Chandler Court's reasoning stuck. If you look at recent California implied contract cases concerning authors, novelty is no longer an element of the claim. That is not the same in New York. That's right, Josh. This is It's not the same in New York. In New York, novelty is an element of an idea theft case. Like California, New York law establishes an implied in fact contract derived from the presumed intention of the parties as indicated by their conduct. However, New York law is clear that a party is not allowed to recover for the theft of an idea unless that idea is novel. The United States District Court for the Southern District of New York recently addressed the issue of novelty as an element of an idea theft claim in Wexler versus Hasbro. In that case, David Wexler, a toy inventor, sued Hasbro, claiming that the toy company used two of his ideas without paying him royalties. In a series of meetings organized by Hasbro, Wexler pitched Hasbro the idea of creating mashups of existing Hasbro games, including a mashup game of Connect Four and Nerf. Although Hasbro passed on each of Wexler's mashup ideas, including the Connect Four Nerf concept from 2019 to 2020, Hasbro sold a line of products under the name Game Mashups at Target. Additionally, 
During the same time, Hasbro sold a game called Connect 4 Blast, which involves shooting Nerf darts at a Connect 4 grid. In ruling on Hasbro's motion for summary judgment, the district court found, as a matter of law, that Wexler's general mashup idea was not novel. According to New York precedent, a plaintiff may not claim that an idea is novel if it was already in use in the industry at the time of submission or disclosure. The court noted that the use of existing means or mixtures of, quote, known ingredients in a different manner does not make an idea novel. That's an interesting comment as well. The Stanley Court pointed out that novelty may lie in the combination of items that are not new or novel. It seems that New York may not agree. That is possible, Josh. However, uh, the court did acknowledge that the prototypes, artwork, proposed packaging, and game instructions pitched by Wexler regarding the general mashups and his specific mashups idea uh, ideas were novel. So it's it's hard to say where the New York court really comes out on um, on whether or not novelty may lie in the mixture or combination of ideas or concepts that are not themselves novel. Uh, however, uh, the court did point out that Hasbro did not develop any of the examples that were submitted by Wexler, thus just holding that the general idea of a game mashup was not novel and uh, losing on that ground. The court uh, as for the Connect 4 Nerf game, the court found that Hasbro did not use Wexler's idea in that the Nerf uh, Connect 4 game was independently developed by Hasbro. The court found compelling the evidence submitted by Hasbro that Connect 4 Blast was developed internally by Hasbro without use or access to any of Wexler's ideas. Given the difference between New York and California law, it may make a difference to potential plaintiffs and defendants where projects are pitched. That's right. I mean, it would be better for a studio to schedule pitch meetings for projects that may be based on generic ideas in their New York offices, while writers and producers should insist on Los Angeles for pitch meetings at all times. So Scott, is New York wrong to require novelty as an element of an idea theft case? Well, I mean, who am I to say that years of jurisprudence in New York are incorrect? However, I will point out the following. And, you know, an example of a non-novel idea is a fact. For example, in the Desney case, the story that was pitched uh, concerned an actual factual uh, incident. So as we know, facts are not protectable under the Copyright Act. If an author has no protection under the Copyright Act and no protection under state law, um, the only protection that an author would have would be if they enter into an express contract uh, with regard to the use of the idea. There'd be no protection under implied contracts. And I don't know, that distinction between, the distinction between an express contract and an implied contract and the enforcement of an idea, a non-novel idea under an express contract, does it, does it seem to make sense to you? Does it, is that a distinction without much of a difference? If you think about it, like why is an express contract for a non-novel idea? Why should that be enforceable when an implied contract implied by the circumstances and the actions of the parties for a non-novel idea, unenforceable? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me on some level, but at the same time, I think that, you know, an implied contract is attempting to provide some level of protection against these deals or, or you know lack of a deal where where somebody takes something and then puts it to use even though somebody would say 
you know, an implied contract essentially assumes that reasonable parties must have entered into an agreement. Well, if we're dealing with something that's non-novel, I think it's providing somewhat of a safe harbor or a safety net against anybody just claiming that any random idea uh, gives rise to an implied contract. But at the same time, if we can contract for these things expressly, then theoretically we could impliedly contract for them as well. So I, I don't really know where I come out on it, to be honest. I'm kind of running myself in circles. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting distinction for me, and one that I had to think a lot about. Um, you know, the California, the California court in Chandler was very much a kind of laissez-faire economics-driven decision, right? The freedom of contract, right? Why should the court get in the middle of the 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 terms of the contract between the two parties? Why should the supreme? Why should the court? make a determination whether an idea is novel or not novel if the parties agreed to buy it and sell it. Uh, where the New York court or New York jurisprudence is kind of, kind of laying that requirement on an implied in fact contract. Yet I can understand why it's there too, right? The, the Probably New York jurisprudence is requiring maybe a heightened degree of scrutiny with regard to contracts that are not expressly set forth or either verbally or in writing, because, you know, I guess they don't want parties to accidentally enter into a contract and maybe just want to lessen the amount of cases that they're seeing based on implied in fact contracts. So anyways, it's an interesting distinction and one that folks in the entertainment industry really need to be aware of when they're uh, pitching and receiving pitches for ideas. I agree with that, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for tuning in to this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcast. And for additional content, visit our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks. Thanks.